Hey, everybody. Welcome to the X Podcast episode 197. We have no idea, do we? <laughs> what, are we what are we going to do for our 50th anniversary? Coming up? 50th mm. anniversary? 50th, 50th episode. Uh, episode anniversary, podcast anniversary. Isn't that the silver or gold anniversary something? What is it? I don't know. A silver is 25. Oh, nice. So, like, you're going to get us two silver things a piece for us. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And know. some cake. We should do something fun. We should. We're going to do something it's fun. It's fun, Betty! Betty cake. That would be great. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I think that uh, we can do something special. We can talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, what have you guys been up to? Anything? I mean, nothing's really happening. <laughs> right now the world's crazy my parents i got to see them well i've seen them yep. uh a couple times this year but they got to fly in for the first time in two years because of everything covid this past weekend went to kosai for the first time did a deep dive youtube friday night on anti-matter and whether that can really take us back in time or not <laughs> what about you <laughs> oh definitely didn't do that how about you no. i just yeah I don't know. My parents did not come into town. They were supposed to this week. That didn't work. I, it's been since, what, August of last year since I've seen them in person. Mm. So that's, yeah. it's definitely a different world. I did see your parents this yes. past Sunday. Yes. And uh, so that was a lot of fun. And we had a really cool event at our church. It was and, awesome. And uh, block party and that was work and so, at the movies. It was a blast. I'm sure a lot of you listening go to our church. But if you don't, you preached it. Like a, it was a really great message yes. on Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah. Straight in a DeLorean. The movie. Back the movie. to the Future. Back to the Future, the original one. Yeah, watched the movie, a little bit of the movie. Yeah. You did the thing about, mm -hmm. you know, Jesus, and you went back to the movie. It was good. Yeah, the amount You're of depth that. that you pulled out of that, I'm sitting here, I'm like, why am I so convicted by yeah. this? <laughs> the decisions I make today are forming the future I live in tomorrow. And it was. I'm like, okay, let's talk about McFly some more. <laughs> That's a great movie. My favorite part, I told him after yeah. Sunday, was he talks, and then he's got some B-roll footage on the LED yeah. screen yeah. behind him, and it's like perfectly in sync. I don't that know how that, amazing. but it feels like magic, either. and it makes everything awesome. Yeah. So that was cool. Uh, I had a DeLorean outside, like you said. I'm trying to think of my life. Um, Jack started preschool, and mm. I know it's just preschool, but it feels like a big deal because he's... Mm -hmm. It, it's at the same school as like the real big kids oh. and so there's buses and kids and drop off and wow. mm. all sorts of things and so it was all the feels so mm. that's been great be He's how's your podcast first. going my podcast very fun um i think i i as of today whenever this is going to get released i've got 37 of them wow wow uh which is great i'm starting to interview guests so we basically talked through, and you guys, whether you yeah, like you it or not, that, will we, be, we were supposed to maybe try to record one this week. I didn't forget. No, you did. That's why you I said, asked I about. Yes, right. No, no, no. I asked you if you could. You said my family is in town. I might they, be able I did. to. And I wasn't then that's sure. why I brought that up earlier. Yeah, they did. They just canceled. Yeah. Yesterday. So, so you're free. I am free. All right. Well, we'll do that later. But uh, you start interviewing people, and I'm basically we're just going to talk about the impactful moments in their life and. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the things that they've heard that have changed everything for them. You know, we all have like that one sentence or that one moment or that one conversation yeah. that sparks something um, that changes our future. So that's kind of the direction mm -hmm. we're going. So I've that's met awesome. some really cool people so far. Well, I've been, I told you, I've been some uh, three days ago mm -hmm. and they're so good. And you can just tell people are finding a whole lot of encouragement through yeah. it. I appreciate it. My cousin texted me last night out of the blue, um, 
and he's hilarious, but it's about the same age. He goes, man, I finally listened to your podcast, and it was intense. <laughs> he, goes, <laughs> he goes, I almost cried. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Here you go. That was awesome. That's a win. He used a little more colorful language, too. Oh. What do you say? It no, was... I'll, I'll beep, I'll beep, and you just say it, and then I'll do the beep. Okay, yeah, you say the word. Say, oh, no, you say the word. I'll say beep. Uh, it gave me some beep. Other hope. I yeah. mean, it, it gave just... me beep and hope. But I tell you, just piggybacking off my podcast, I want to start today's conversation with you guys because for me, I've entered into a new season where I am, um, I'm writing a lot. Yeah. Every yeah. every week, Episodes. every day, I I sit and I write first, and I write out uh, and about all sorts of different topics. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what I've learned through the process is watching you guys go through and communicate through different mediums, obviously in our church context, speaking on Sundays. But yeah. you both, we've talked about it a lot here, are writing a book. Mm-hmm. You're both done, really, with the actual writing process of the book, the editing and publishing process in process. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that it'll be a great conversation for us to have and really... I want to learn from you guys. This is more maybe even a selfish conversation for me. I've never written a book, but I know you have to be really disciplined to write a book, especially one that people are going to want to actually read. <laughs> you hope. Right. <laughs> um, but I want to go through and walk through some of those disciplines and strategies you mm-hmm. have, simple things like when and where mm-hmm. you write, what it looks like when you write, mm-hmm. um, and, and maybe the most important things you've learned throughout the process. And real quickly before I, we start, I just want to say to the listener, this matters to you yeah. because there will be a time in your life where uh, you're not around and the people you love will need to have something to remember you by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to remember your actions. They're going to remember what you've left them. And my challenge to you is, is what are you writing today that you're going to leave for the people that love you when you're gone? Yeah, mm-hmm. That might sound morbid to you. But mm-hmm. really, at the end of the day, as you have these experiences in life, and and you need to get those things out on paper, baby. I don't know how yeah. it has to happen for you. You might be like, I'm not a great writer. I'm not. You do have a mandate in life to communicate, though, mm-hmm. yeah. to yeah. the people around you. And if you have something that's meaningful inside of you, you have to be able to communicate it. And so I have two of the best communicators that I know here. Mm-hmm. And so I want to talk about that. So first, why don't you um, share... I want to just learn generally your relationship to writing mm-hmm. leading up to the moment where you started writing your book. And I'm talking mm-hmm. way back. Yeah. Uh, so just give us a little bit of window inside of, of personally how you've approached it. And, your, and did you like it? Did you not like it? Were you bad at it? Mm-hmm. What about you? Oh, man. Um, parts of my story, especially the nerdy ones, I've probably shared here before. But I have had a love affair with words since uh, kindergarten. Um, I, kindergarten, first grade, part of that may be a little bit inherited. My dad was an English teacher for 30 years and, um, just a voracious reader. And I come that whole side of the family educators, a lot of reading. Uh, I picked up my first R.L. Stein Goosebumps book in first grade, right? When they came out, anybody in my age bracket, you'll remember Goosebumps. Goosebumps. And I've been in the middle of a book ever since. And, and I feel like there's this, uh, there's an inescapable kind of symbiotic relationship of reading and writing. And so the moment I fell in love with reading, I fell in love with writing. And uh, in the first grade, I would just, I mean, first, all of elementary school, looking back, I realized how weird it was, but I would, on my own, for fun, write essays about whatever I was interested in. I would, on my, I still remember being in my 
we were talking about this weekend when my parents were in town. I'd, I'd write essays at my grandfather's house on his black typewriter about dinosaurs I was into or outer space I was into. Look, look I also played sports, so I wasn't just a complete yeah. nerd. Yeah, you did. But um, I literally well, – I my, don't think fencing is a sport. Hey, <laughs> if I had taken fencing, I would have. Um, I've shared this before. In I second I grade, I, I wound up in – because of the, of the level of how nerdy this is, this is not a brag – um, I wound up on uh, seven minutes on News 4 local news and on the local newspaper and on a radio station for writing my own thesaurus when I was in the second grade. It didn't sell a lot of copies. It did, well, it never got published. You know, I was on this little yellow yeah. stained notepad, but I, felt, I literally asked for a Roger's thesaurus for uh, Christmas. For me, like, I've always... Do we um, have... I, need, I should find of it. this. Uh, I think my I mom still has a copy. I would love to see what words and what yeah. synonyms and like so. Oh, like, I was like, what, like what, what kind of words were on this? Oh, I mean loquacious. I okay. would, I would write. I, I, I would write all. I mean, I would just write an adjective. You know, when you've, especially when you're young. Or for me, like I would just, I would write to impress. I would just, I would put a million adjectives in, in front of each other, and you know, that was just my, my beginning steps. But my whole life, I have. I, I love what G.K. Nice. Chesterton, the great thinker of the 20th century, says. He says, if we don't fight about words, what is there to fight about? Like words, you know, life, and, life and death money, is in the power of words. That's oil. what it comes from. That's what it I comes was just, from. I'm just, I was just throwing out a few things. Even, that fight over, we even, fight over. even those things are only painted by words. <laughs> no. what you, all, yeah. Everything you just said were words. So, um, <laughs> okay, that's, so, a, that's a bit of a stretch. No, that's I'm fine. just saying. Um, I, Dirt I, is Donald, word, Donald Miller says the thing. person that can communicate is unstoppable. Um, uh, to me, like, there's always been a, I don't know. I've always enjoyed creativity. I've never been great musically. I wish I was. I wish I would have continued. But for me, words were always, I, all, it sounds weird. Mm. I always looked at words as my colors. Mm -hmm. That if, if I tried hard enough, I could paint anything beautiful. Mm -hmm. I could paint any kind of masterpiece. Um, if I could learn to master words. So mm -hmm. I always looked at it that way. Um, the frustrating part of is I always felt like most of my whole life I've had a stack of failure of unfinished projects with words. So, um, I mean, I got, I got some poetry published in, in middle school in mm -hmm. some, you know, scholastic journal or whatever. But I started a million projects of books and uh, for a while me and my buddy wrote songs and, and he would play the guitar, I would write. I, you know, wrote manuscripts. I started books, um, uh, but I'd I'd never finished one of my major projects of of writing and publishing until now, and so it's a great feeling, huh? It is. It's a crazy feeling. It's very surreal. Are you, um, are you like done and just waiting at this point? I'm I'm done and waiting to get Ooh. layouts back any minute that hopefully I feel confident enough to approve mm -hmm. to go on to. We're still not done with the layouts. Uh, they're not done with the layouts. So is that too much or too no? Much? I like it. I think no, and I think it details your route to a book. But yeah, honestly, when you communicate from a stage, you're writing all the time too. Yeah, and so mm -hmm. I'm interested. Maybe we can shift on to you. You've been doing ministry and preaching from a stage for 17 years at least now, mm -hmm. and been writing. And your notes for preaching 18. are 18 years are very well written. I've read them. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me your relationship with writing and, and so, up to this point. What's interesting, like even to, to, to kind of play off of what you said, you've always had a fascination with words. I do not. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I don't have this massive fascination on wanting to come up with you know, these creative words. I've got more of a fascination with ideas. Mm -hmm. So um, being able to write has allowed me to flush out ideas in my brain that I'm wrestling through with, mm -hmm. you know, just in general. Um, and so it's funny, I, I never, I didn't love, love writing until I went to uh, Bible college. When I went to Bible college, the program I was in was all writing. That's all you did. Um, there was no tests. It was operated you know, as a master's program. That, and so there, you did no physical tests. All of it was writing for competency, mm -hmm. which I think is one of the best ways that you can do it because, you know, mm -hmm. you can go and guess it and test. But when you have to write your concepts out and answer questions. And so every single, and it was, a, it was kind of a, an accelerated program. So every week was, you know, my homework, which was answering a bunch of questions or study on certain things. Every week was, um, you know, it would be, 12, 14, 15 pages, you know, of answering questions, double space mostly. So it wasn't that bad, but you know, and so that's, that's all you do. I'd spend eight to 10 hours on homework and it was just sitting at a computer writing, um, at what you're learning. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed in that process of learning how to, um, try to get my thoughts across. Yeah. That's where it kind of like, and I, and I kind of really embraced mm -hmm. it. Then when I got into um, um, preaching, I'm the type that writes out my sermons. Mm -hmm. So I write them out word for word. I don't preach them exactly word for word, but I write out full, it's called full manuscript, full transcript, sorry. You do? Not manuscript, full transcript. Um, and um, I do it for a variety of reasons. I, I didn't always... Um, no, I pretty much have always done it. At one point, I had somebody who was doing transcription, and I would literally go and just practice and record it and send it to them, and then they would give me back a written transcript of what I did, and then I would do it. And then I'd just stop doing that, and i write them. Um, it's part of the process for me. It's how I, um, it's how I get what I've kind of worked on. It's how I get what I want to communicate down on the paper. It helps bring clarity to it. It helps bring focus and direction to it. So for me, that's that's kind of been my journey. So I, I do write. I mean, I do my, you know, it's there are 10 to 12 pages every single week that I write um, of when I do a message. And so it's, it's, it's a no lot joke. of, it, it's not, There's it's no a joke. lot of grappling with concepts, content, and how to get it out in a way, you know, but now I also write in a very um, conversational style, like I would speak. So yeah. what, what I've had to kind of learn and try to transition a little bit is I still want to carry that into books that I may write, but there's also rules that it feels a little bit different. There's mm -hmm. things that you can do in one or when you can do on verbal communication that's very acceptable that may not be acceptable in just written form. And yeah. so I've kind of like had it and I'm, I'm about ready to go into that deep in that process mm -hmm. with editing. I'm doing my own first round of editing yeah. right now, but I've had other people and you've helped me with some edits and certain to this and I will have an editor and that's, that's a whole new process. So let, let's talk about is your process for writing a sermon or a public talk similar to writing a book? If so, how? And if not, how? Hmm. I mean, it, on, on a very, very small scale, I think um, the, 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 there's some similarities and there's some major differences, right? Uh, the, the obvious major differences are you only have a given amount of time, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever, to get your idea across. So you, you have to be very focused. You have to consider what you're throwing out. The tricky part when you're writing a book is, and you can ask this guy, 
to my right, um, is do you throw anything out? Because you're, I mean, I'm like rewriting things right now and I'm, thoughts have come that I'm, I'm not done yet, I'm finished it, but now I'm like adding in because you, there's almost no, no one's putting a, def, a, a, a label or a definition on how big the book can be and how many words it can be and how long you have. And so I think it gives you a little bit more time to build your thoughts, your thesis, to be a little more creative, to take it in a different direction, to kind of like, you're, you're, you're trying to do what you did in 30, 40 minutes on a few pages, but you're doing it over 100 or 200 pages. Yeah. And so you're trying to build you know, a cohesive concept over multiple chapters where let's just say a chapter might be the equivalent of that one sermon, mm-hmm. like in length and the amount of words and whatever you do. And so to me, it's like writing multiple sermons that all fit together to tell one big concept. And I think it's right. far more challenging when you have something big like that yeah. to keep your idea concise, to keep mm-hmm. your controlling thought and your controlling idea right in front of you and not yeah. to deviate and figure out what to throw in and what mm-hmm. to throw out. And but I would say for me, I, I, on that note, I think the principles remain the same. Yeah. Like you, you threw yeah. out, I like the phrase you used, I was, I was getting ready to say it is the controlling idea. Mm-hmm. Like in a message, and in a book, you have to decide yeah. right up front what is the controlling idea mm-hmm. um, because that filters out mm-hmm. what you have to cut and to make sure there's clarity. And then just like with the message, with the book, you have to decide, okay, what point. It, it is kind of tough. Like People have different opinions on, depending on the genre, what's too long. Um, some people say fifty to 75,000 words is the typical uh uh, range for a nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Of course, that goes out the window when you go into biographies and autobiographies, and some are double, triple, quadruple the amount. Now, novels, uh, they say, the longer yeah. the better, a lot of people think. Yeah. I mean, I my public, my, I was trying to, I mean, the editing process to me is the most painful, and what you're cutting away is, is, is brutal, and you've got to, whether it's a message or a book, but I, f- I feel like, especially a book, for me, y- you, yours is pretty right on the money with where you wanted your word count. Mm-hmm. I ended up starting at... <laughs> Yours is more than twice <laughs> so, when you started. So, so, so average nonfiction between fifty to 75,000. My current uh, editor, she says 85 to 90 is fine. My, when I finished my first rough draft, and by the way, I had already left out other chapters I'd wanted to put in. <laughs> So even with stuff left out, my uh, word count after my first rough draft was 120,000 words. So uh, he likes that words. I've cut down to 80. He loves words. I've cut 40,000 words. Sorry, we're skipping ahead. Like but anyway. No, mine's 50,000. <laughs> 50, I'll put the whole thesaurus in there. <laughs> okay, so just to point out the differences between you two, because I, yeah. I want to acknowledge for everybody that we all write differently. Yep. We all would approach it. I think the three of us at this table have preached messages from a stage. Mm-hmm. All of our approaches are very, different. very different. Mm-hmm. I would describe you, Tim, more as um, you are very consistent in your approach as far as your notes look the same mm-hmm. every time you send them in. You follow mm-hmm. similar, dependent a on model. your subject, a model, mm-hmm. and your delivery is pretty accurate to your notes. Mm-hmm. For me, you could probably come and hear me three times on a weekend, and I'm going to emphasize different parts of mm-hmm. the message more mm-hmm. because I tend to probably rely more on my – like I, I don't probably even need notes when mm-hmm. I preach because I have to get it in me and yeah. m- almost memorize mm-hmm. my yes. point to point to point to point to point and when I'm going to do what scripture or when I'm going to yeah. allude to what reference. I have to have it in me right. to deliver it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then 
How would you say, Russell? I, I, I agree with that. Him? That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. I it, It's got to be in me. And I, I would say that's one thing that's probably really – that is really similar between the three of us is we're, we're not really stuck in our notes. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but I don't manuscript out my notes like you do. Mm-hmm. I, I have an outline, and then I, have, I will write out specific statements that I want to remember how I transitioned this, how I said this, how I did that. Right. But more, I just need to have a skeleton in my mind, and it's going to be in me to where I know once I get there, I can, for lack of better words, riff from mm-hmm. my heart right. on that. So you're saying that, that writing a message and writing a book in that way is very different. Yes, for me, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. As to, and how so? Would, would it um, be more of a general approach? or how, how would you tease out the differences between your approach and writing a message and writing a book? Yep. The difference would be um, I am not thinking through every sentence how it's going to look through on paper. I'm thinking more on what is the structure of the thoughts Mm -hmm. and do I have confidence in those thoughts, what I'm going to say about those thoughts and then the structure. And as long as I have the outline on paper, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I'm sitting down to write a book, I am finessing and obsessing over every sentence and the flow of the sentence and the punctuation of the sentence. And the tempo. Yes, and the cadence and the the prose of it all. Mm-hmm. Does that answer? But I, but I think, too, some of the difference is, okay, all of it's communication. I, I think the difference is from a, a sermon or a speaking to that is where we're now getting into the delivery. Mm-hmm. You're, when right, you delivery. obsess over your structure and your prose and your punctuation, to me that's the delivery, mm-hmm. right, and how, how it comes out. Same thing when it comes to live public speaking. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a whole other piece that's completely different that is about the delivery and how you're, how you're um, giving it, how you're communicating. And so I, I think like those, that's where I would try to put those two together, even though they're very different. Well, maybe, different maybe one specific difference is I'm never going to a- approach a message, at least in delivery, if I don't know where I'm going with it. Mm-hmm. I will yeah. sometimes actually start a do. chapter Absolutely. with a basic idea. Oh, yeah. And sometimes I don't know where I'm going to go with it. Yep. In fact, one of the joys, and this sometimes happens in message preparation, but one of the joys, it's a frustration slash a joy for me in writing, is I am part of the discovery process, and and I, I will get done with a chapter, and I'm like, I, I don't know how it got here. Yeah. It's almost like this, they say the old writers had this, this phrase of catching spirits. Mm-hmm. Like on a really good writing day, you're catching spirits, so to speak, if you're, you know, in a faith Drinks. context, you're hoping it's the Holy Spirit, but oh. you, you know, you're spirits. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So you are, um, so a lot of times as you get in the zone and, yeah. and you're writing, it flows, you. it flows out of you. There's things that of a whole chunk of my book that, uh, I got done and it sounds, sounds arrogant, but I was like, Oh, that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's a good point. Like yeah. that, that framework of, of, yeah. from that whole chunk of, this thing I brought out of, from Scripture, I was like, I've, I've never even thought of it. I definitely didn't sit down yeah. with the intent of saying that, mm-hmm. but I agree with what I just, <laughs> I agree with what I just wrote. Yeah, I think it's interesting the the concept of you know when I'm writing a message, when I'm writing it out, mm-hmm. it's for me. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm writing for somebody, but when I'm writing the actual words on paper, right. I'm writing for my reference. Right, and I think that for me, that's the shift that yeah. even doing mm-hmm. my daily shows mm-hmm. that I've had yeah. to do is. No, I have to. I have to write not for not so I remember to say it a certain way, yeah. but I have to write it so somebody mm-hmm. interprets it as I intended them to mm-hmm. interpret it, or yeah. that it's helpful. Um, 
Now, I think it'd be fun to go through, I think more specifically, like what your writing environment is like, <laughs> what specifically when you're writing your books, but what do you have snacks on the table? Is it in the morning? Is it before you go to bed? Is it on the weekends? I want as much detail as possible as to how, what you need for your creative space yeah. to get the juices running. Yeah, I think um, I am not worth, even if I was a famous writer, not worth emulating on this because it has been probably good. And I don't know if there's a good or bad, but it's looked so different. And um, there's been times I've gotten done in certain seasons and been like, okay, that wasn't nearly as effective. On an ideal day, my phone's on airplane mode, and I have a good 90 minutes to three hours undistracted. Uh, for a while, I COVID really helped me a lot. Uh, during COVID um, or quarantine, um, I would sit down at my kitchen table, and I would have coffee. I'd have a little bit of instrumental music going, and I would just put phone on airplane mode, and I would have to tell myself Donald Miller claims he, some writers can write all day. Donald Miller claims even he as a professional writer cannot write more than uh, 90 to 120 minutes and then he's done. Mm -hmm. He has to do it first thing in the morning. I also resonate with that. I am best first thing in the morning. I'm best if I can get in a zone undistracted. But the way my restless mind works, um, especially when I'm in the creative process, I tend to pace. I almost have to make myself and I'm going to sit down and I am not going to get up from this chair uh, for an hour. And then I'm going to allow myself a 10 to 15 minute walk. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing when I get stuck, what a walk or a run can do to, mm -hmm. to bring ideas back or to resolve a, a writing block or whatever. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's best if I'm undistracted airplane mode on, and I can give myself goals. I'm going to sit down for an hour. Yeah, so what's, your, what's your Spotify playlist? <sighs> what's the William, what's his name? The instrumental guy. Oh, Augusta, William. William Augusta. William Sometimes Augusta. I'll put on William Augusta. Sometimes I'll... Kenny G? <laughs> yeah. Might as well be. He is kind of like the, the modern Christian instrumental Kenny G. But, I just want as much detail as possible. Yeah. But it, it depends. Like, well, Or a lot of times, so over the last year, my rhythm has been if I will try to get up in the morning and write 60 minutes or so, but if if I can't, um, do it very well during the week if I'm not disciplined to, to do it like I should. Fr Fridays has been my writing days because mm -hmm. uh, that's a, the day I'm not in office here. And so I will drive to this uh, coffee shop all the way until a coffee if you're local, you know, and it's called Roast. And I will get there, and I will just stay there all day long. So really there, I'm actually one of those people that can concentrate with background noise. Mm -hmm. So whatever they have playing on. Yeah. Um, at home, for whatever reason, it's usually instrumental William Augusta or it's silence. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds miserable. Mm. So <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What's your when? What are you eating? What are you drinking? No, what are eating. you smelling? No. What I'm are you watching? Eating. Nothing. No way. Zero distractions. Where are you? I don't like that. Um, Who's around? I, no one. <laughs> I, like, I like to not have anyone around. What are you wearing? Um, <laughs> I, I usually... Um, you just so roll I out of bed I, in your jammies I tried, and so just the, start the pounding the keyboard. What candle ways, do you have on? I don't. <laughs> you? I don't. Okay. The two most effective Your hair is uh, all down. For me <laughs> that I, is your hair ever down? Not really. Honestly, I wake up and I go to the gym and I barely have to do anything. My hair stays right where it is. 
Uh, if you put enough product in, it'll make it. Um, we're in sleep. But I You're usually, one of those guys that's always dressed. I use, it's like, no, wait a second. Yeah. Shorts and t-shirt, you know. But I do usually like it. I, I do own some jammies. <laughs> I never wear them. My, my wife would get would get me. My wife would get me uh, pajama pants or something for Christmas when they get the girls pajamas. Mm-hmm. So I own like at least two, if not three, pairs of like red and black plaid pajama yes. pants for Christmas. I just like that you say pajamas instead of you know how you're supposed to say it. Pajamas. 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 What do you say? Jammies. Jammies. But if if you were going to say, say jammies, then you say pajamas. But is it pajamas or pajamas? I don't know. I mean, is it? I, I don't know. Potato or is PJs. It okay. I don't right. know. Sorry. Jammies. Anyways, so them. back to this. Uh, I was so you're saying, in your, you're in your jammies. Your hair's in my jammies. <laughs> I was in my, I'm in my Christmas. I was in my. <laughs> I was in my Christmas pajamas, and um, I was bogging on. Yes. Um, I liked. So I tried a couple different things. What what really ended up working for me? I was trying. To, we both like Donald Miller and really kind of subscribed to some of his like writing. Some of the. Uh, even attended what some of the writing um, workshops and seminars yeah, workshop. that he gave and stuff. And so uh, I was trying for a while consistently to get up early and do at least a half hour a day mm-hmm. every day of the week. I did that for a while. You did? I yeah. Did, I did that for a while where I was consistently getting up. Um, I don't love that as much just because I do feel like when I have extended writing times, you can you can sometimes tell when you feel a flow and you don't want to oh, stop. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just, you're going. Yeah. It's like, I need to just keep going. Yep. And it's really hard to do that mm-hmm. when you're like, oh, I got to go get ready. I got to mm-hmm. take daughter to school. I got to get to the office or to the gym. You know, I, so I didn't love that because I feel like I'm, I'm going. I'm like, ah, I got to stop. I don't, right. Um, I found more success on Fridays, my day off, getting up in the morning. Uh, I have my quiet time, and I'm still up before any of the rest of my family, typically. And so I would write then. I like it quiet. Um, when the weather's nice, I am big. Like, I like to sit outside on my front porch. There's something about outdoor, even without the, uh, no distractions. I don't like music going on with that. It's just more of I'm lost in my head trying to process thoughts mm-hmm. and get them down on paper. And then go, I don't like that. That wasn't yeah, very yeah. good. Back yeah. up and do this. And so. Do and you I, cry? No, I don't cry while I'm writing. Uh, I might want to cry because it is painful sometimes. Like it, it's hard. Like it, yeah. it is. It can be a grueling thing when you get into, and there, and then there's times when you have an outline and you're like, mm-hmm. I want to write these chapters. I know I need to write those chapters. Yeah. I don't want to write those chapters. Yeah. They're going to be hard because I know that the what I'm going to have to dig and mine in order to bring what mm-hmm. I really feel like is the the concept of the truth. You know, I and I, I I'm an outline person, so. Yeah. Even like right now as I'm working on an outline for another book, I'll spend probably the next several months as ideas and things come to me and I'll start trying to build. I, I had a full outline of every, every chapter minus the last two, I added those as I was writing. Mm-hmm. So as I was writing, I was like, no, I'm kind of surprised. I really want to add that concept to this. Um, but I had most of them outlined with thoughts, stories, well, here's where I think I'm going to go. But like you, you know, I got into some of them. I knew what I was writing on and I would just start going and yeah. I would write and I'd bring all kinds of stuff. And then I'd go back and look at my outline and go, I didn't do anything I was planning on doing yeah. mm-hmm. in that chapter yeah. at all. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's where or it went. some it's chapters you end up scrapping yeah. where you just the chapter takes you where you don't want to go. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 have that. I, no? I think it's fascinating here. You guys talk about that. And and again, I think I want to ask a question understanding this that there's there's almost two separate disciplines when it comes to to writing and selling books there's mm-hmm. the writing a book yeah 
that's worth reading. And then there's selling a book. There's mm-hmm. there are two completely different things. This, that, that's why there's not a, a list of New York Times best written books. Right. <laughs> it's the New York uh, Times best selling books. Yeah. And so um, I think you know this is both of your first books. So whether or not you can sell the book, I guess we'll see. Yeah, we yeah, I'll no buy both. Idea. Of them. There you I'll go. buy both. Of them. Then we're good. But my, my sold a book. Well, Woo! There we go. All right. So might be the only one. Make sure you treat me right. Yes, I'm not. <laughs> but I think that I want to talk about how have you guys approached writing a book that is worth reading. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so think about it for a second. I want you to share what are the questions you ask yourself. Um, and I think it parallels well to preaching because right. we, you know, yeah. when you're preaching, you go, why, why is anybody going to want to listen to this? Right. And maybe you're sitting at home and you're thinking, well, why would anybody want to hear what I have to say? Right. And I don't think that that question evades you both because you decided sure, one day right. you want to author a book. Yeah. How do you work through, I think, the insecurity of people going, ew, they're, they're going to hate my writing style, mm-hmm. or yeah. that person just wants everybody to hear them talk, so that's why they're writing a book. Right. Or How do you work through those initial speed bumps of insecurity, mm-hmm. and what are the thoughts you keep ever-present on your mind in order to mm-hmm. yeah. uh, produce, hopefully, a book that uh, people will yeah. not want to put down? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, and the truth is, um, the jury is still out, yeah. at least on mine, on whether it's a book <laughs> worth reading. I think It is. I've read it. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think it it, it for I sure. All, I read all of it. You read all the of it multiple times. One hundred and twenty thousand <laughs> word version, not you the did. eighty some thousand version everybody else is going to read. And you can read a sample of you can on your website. That's you right. can hope, hope for the wilderness dot com. Someone incredible at the same time. designed so cute. it. Or um, John Russell Moore dot com. Oh, that's right. So it is. I mean, you always hear about the mental battle. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is really like sexy the idea of writing a book, getting into it. Um, in fact, one no, book, no, no, having a written book. having a Authored written a book, book is sexy. It, yeah. Writing a book is no, not, not sexy. Having a book with your name on it. Yeah. yeah, having a book with something. You uh, hold I your heard. Hands. I heard painful. one writer say it's um, he hates writing. He loves to have written. Yeah, <laughs> um, I would agree with that. But but I do think it helps if you have a passion to write. And, yeah. and I don't always hear. I actually love yeah. the process of writing, but it's just grueling when yeah. you commit to it. Yeah. And part of it is the mental Good battle point. of those questions. I mean, the toughest moments, or especially during quarantine, where I'm sitting there for hours a day, especially if you don't have a crazy large platform, especially if you're not yeah. already published. The idea that that you cannot escape the moments of I am wasting maybe. Mm-hmm a cumulative year or two of my life and no one cares no one cares no yeah. one's going to care why am i like destroying myself with discipline and spending all of my time and mental energy in something that no one besides me and my mom may read <laughs> i mean that is a thing you really have to work through i think um that's real that's very yeah, real is. we're joking but that's a I mean, oh my gosh yeah and then, I mean, depending on what you write, the vulnerability of what you're putting out, yeah. anytime you put a creative work of art out there, it's going to be critiqued, yeah. and there are going to be people that like it and don't like it. I think for me, it was, it was a few things. I think there, there's, there's really two questions when, you come, when you're looking at the quality of what you're putting out and your belief in it. You're looking at your gifting and the content. Um, and, and I think for everyone, part of, uh, you, you can't live and die by people's praise and criticism, but the people that affirm giftings in your life, that is one of the ways I believe even God like confirms how he's wired you. And so we're not all 
good at everything. We're not all bad at everything. All of us have different unique things that I believe are giftings that we talked last week to that we have a capacity in to grow. And so one of the things I, I feel like I have had hopefully a healthy confidence in my writing ability since a, I've been doing it my entire life and I have a passion for it. And B, I have been fortunate enough to have the affirmation of people over the years that whatever I was writing, whether it was poetry or a message or an email or books I've started but never finished or pieces of this book, when I first finished a chapter, I've had, multi, I've, I've had that benefit and that gift of having people that I know weren't just blowing smoke affirm, oh my gosh, that moved me. Wow, just that chapter changed my life. The way you wrote brought me to tears. And so I may not, nobody I think is a great writer after their, in their first book. So I'm aware, I'm, I may not be a great writer, but I've had a lifetime of, of passion, practice, and enough affirmation to know. It may not be great yet, but there, there's a gifting in there to where I, I feel um, proficient enough to put something out. Um, and, and I've done the work to read books on writing, go to webinars on writing. I've, I've, been, I've humbled myself to, to be really diligent about how to improve and grow the craft. Um, and then the content, I think uh, part of, you talk about preparation, there's the preparation process of writing, but then I think maybe even, even more important than the preparation is the pre-preparation. And what I mean by that is having something worth saying by by having a, a life that hopefully is worth living, but also having a life where you're passionately learning and you're passionately documenting uh, thoughts that, you, that other people at least hopefully need. Um, and so one of the things I've done my whole life is I've always been just a, a scavenger of notes. I'm always taking notes. Um, I'm always documenting a thought. If I have a thought, I'm, I'm always on my notes section. Or I'm, I keep all the messages I've ever preached over the last 15 to 20 years. And so part of it is uh, there's, the, there's the gifting that hopefully you feel an affirmation that it's proficient enough to put something out. And then there's the content. And then, then there's your own story. In a sense, Donald Miller claims that he thinks everybody should write a book, even if other people shouldn't read it. Mm-hmm. Because it's evidence you were alive. And you're telling the world, I exist. I've got something to say. So I think everybody has a story. But then there's probably what you're more getting at is, but why should anybody read that story? And I think almost like the, the skill, there comes a place where hopefully if you have something worth saying, you have enough people affirm, wow, your story has helped me. Wow, your perspective has impacted me. Wow, your, for me specifically, um, I went through, my book's called Hope for the Wilderness. The tagline is through all the pain to all the promise. And I went through a wilderness season in my life um, in 2016. And this is going to sound really spiritual if, if you're listening and you not have, have a faith co- context. But during the deepest moment of that pain um, where I'm honestly, this sounds really dramatic, but I'm honestly wondering, am I going to survive this season? Is my future over? I mean, it was that deep. I had a friend when I finally I flew out to Dallas, opened up about it. And uh, this person, he was obviously a great friend to me, but in the same conversation looked at me and said, also, by the way, I feel in my spirit, you're going to write out of this season, and it's going to help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, he is crazy. I'm just going to try to survive. Mm-hmm. I'm not, what do I, I'm just, but a few months later, I really felt like there was revelation. God began to speak to me that in my own personal journey, like, dramatically put a profound strength inside of me and hope inside of me that changed my life. 
And so honestly, kind of more from a therapeutic, cathartic standpoint, I just started writing what I was learning that was helping me. And then before I knew it, I was like, wait, this could, it just, I don't remember the day it dawned on me, wow, this could be a book. Yeah. And yeah, anyways. No, I think it's good. I think, I, I think uh, what has, I think, struck me out of that, and I've heard you kind of talk about the story that you've included in the book, we'll leave it almost as a teaser right there, but um, that great books aren't always written because of a great thought, um, but really great pain, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That produced great wisdom in your life that mm -hmm. you now have great, um, you now have great vulnerability to share. Yeah. And so I think that that's, I, I'm excited to read through that aspect of your book. And I think that as you write, and even as you both share, that's how you share is you share from pain and you mm -hmm. share from lessons you've learned. And, and, um, I think that, I don't know, personally, that's been the, the biggest discouragement in the past is going, oh, well, I can't. Mm -hmm. And, oh, well, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Mm -hmm. And different seasons of your life that think disqualify you from having anything to say. Mm -hmm. And if that's you, I think that, that's actually yeah. signs that you're in a season of life where no, you yeah, need to pay is. attention to what you're learning, yeah. right, and to the wisdom that's coming to you because of it, because maybe somebody could be helped mm -hmm. from it. So what about you, Tim? Tell me about... Um, Tell me about uh, maybe even some more strategic ways that how do you write in a way that gets people? And let me let me ask it from this point of view. So when you think about like a news article, mm -hmm. right? I'll read a news article because the title was really grabbing, not mm -hmm. because the article was necessarily grabbing. And so how do you catch somebody's attention long enough to flip the page? Um, I think well. I think you have to be a little strategic with that stylistically. I think you know where you you do approach, and it, it makes it kind of challenging because literally every chapter. Let's say you're starting, you're you're going, how am I going to grab someone's attention mm -hmm. on this idea? Yeah, and so you have to. I mean, I, I well, the way I do it stylistically, just what I enjoy in reading, it's what I probably I mimicked was starting off with just a story that's kind of compelling, it's interesting, a historical story, a little story of my life, a story of this, that it was just like, you know, we love stories. So I, I want to invite people into a story and then through the story, reveal a truth, you know, and bring that truth with the story. And it's, uh, it's no different than what, we, what I do in public speaking. I'm going to do the same thing. I want to try within the first few minutes to kind of throw out an idea, what my controlling idea is, and hopefully it's something that's resonating with you that gives you a reason to want to listen. Mm -hmm. And so you have to do that when you write. Mm -hmm. You can't just, I mean, it, I think that is one of the harder parts about it. It's like I, I, I have an idea or a concept that I feel like I've walked through and it's given me a new perspective, and I want to share that. That's right. That's why you do it. But then when you go down to put it on paper, you realize, I can't just put this idea down on paper. Mm -hmm. Like, just put it down on paper like it is. No one's going to mm -hmm. read it. You're not going to get to the second page. They're not even going to, you know what I mean? And so you have to figure out how you're going to craft it. And you mm -hmm. got to figure out how I'm going to draw people into this concept so that they relate to that concept. Now, I mean, one good thing I've had going for me, because I've never written a book before this, but writing sermons is a mini version of that process every single week. Right. Much, much smaller version but I have to do the same thing. Whatever the concept is, I've got to say, why does this matter? Right. You know, you used to always call it the WIFM principle. What's in it for me principle, right? What, what is in this for the person listening? Why do they even care? And it's forced me to start thinking that way all the time <laughs> in my communication. Yeah. And so by doing that, 
I think it's naturally probably lended itself to me being able to probably, hopefully, I hope, I don't know, bring that into the writing yeah. Yeah. to where it draws people in to go, oh, I want to listen to this. But, you know, I think the big question that you have to ask, you know, and this is a, you know, you kind of shared why you wrote that book. Um, why write a book? I think it's a great question. Yeah. And, you know, like, like you said, Donald Miller says everybody should write a book. Whether everybody should read that book is another story. Right. And I don't know that I'm a good writer. I, I think I'm a pretty good communicator. Hopefully I can translate that into written format. Um, you know, but I know what I do when it comes to public speaking. You know, it's, it's a matter of can I merge those two. And, um, you know, I, I felt like I was supposed to. I actually wrote it down in my notes the day I felt again, in my environment would be prompted. I felt mm -hmm. like it was something that, um, that I just felt like it was one where I felt like God prompted me to say, hey, I want you to write this down. And I was reading an article and just something, I'd been, I had this idea a long time, I want to write a book by this mm -hmm. age, and it was just one of those lifelong goals. But there was a specific moment where I, had, I was reading something and something stirred inside me that I had a different perspective on this subject because of my experience yeah. yeah and it was different and the reason why i feel like it was different is because my experience in let's just say our christian subculture and church subculture has mm. it did not reflect what i've always been told yeah when it comes to fear when it comes to faith and so i felt like and so i had to i've mm. wrestled through that for years mm. in a lot of things i've done and but it's also given me a, a different perspective. So why write a book, uh, especially on the subject matter of faith or mm -hmm. fear or really stepping into a, a, a doing something greater with your life? Why why do that? Because I feel like that I have walked through some things in mm -hmm. my life that has given me a new perspective, a new appreciation that I hope will help other people mm -hmm. step into it. Because I really believe that there is a there's, we can choose how we want to live or and spend our time on this earth, but I, I personally just come from right. a perspective where I believe that there's a greater purpose for all of us than just to go and make a living and then eventually die. Right. And it's like, I want to make, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, do you want to make a living or do you want to have a life, make a life, you know, right. and you want to leave something behind yeah. and make an impact. And so it is hard to go back to your other question about it. Both, both you and I have talked about Well, you answered great because I didn't even go into it. I mean, part of it is, do you believe in the message? Yeah. And, and that, and for me, I mean, you, I mean, for me, it was, and it was, uh, it was, how do I take this n new feeling of the way I had to walk through these and give that to somebody yeah. else? And you hope that it is a gift and that it's, that, yeah. it's, that it helps somebody. Both of us have said this. Neither one of us wrote a book to sell books. Yeah. Right. Now, the reality is if you don't sell a book and you don't get it out there that it really doesn't have the impact that you hope it has right. so you instantly become i have to sell books like you said there's the yeah. new york times best written book yeah there's new york times bestseller book right? right and very few people make it on it. i'm not anticipating that okay so mm -hmm. but i i do think like we and i think our motive has been we've had those conversations probably just like i don't really like promoting this mm -hmm. i don't really like i believe in it and that's where I land and go, I believe that this could help you. I know that's the way you feel yeah. about your book. And yeah. I know it will because your book is so well written that if you're in a place where you're discouraged and you need some hope, your book really does bring that along as well as some handles mm -hmm. on how do I work my way out of this season yeah. that I'm in. And, um, and whereas, you know, my book and the approach is more of I, I just as a pastor, it's something I want for everybody that I pastor, which is 
I, I want for them to step into the life mm-hmm. that they never imagined that mm-hmm. they could live. And I believe that it is a life of faith. Yeah. And it's not, that's not a belief system. Mm-hmm. That's an active, that's take a step. Yeah. I feel like God lead me to maybe, do, I know you're going to have to mm-hmm. do it. It looks insane. Yeah. It looks ludicrous. This is dumb. This is stupid. I know, but that's what faith is. Yeah. And so how do I wrestle with fear and do that? And that's kind of. Yeah. And then like um, this, maybe also what you're getting as far as like how you fight those mental battles, a really um, gripping picture for me has been the whole Matthew parable of the talents in the field or the, mm-hmm. the talents, you know, that someone dug theirs and, and hid their talents. Others multiplied it. At some point, again, it sounds really spiritual, but at some point I think I'm able to finish this project, not only because I believe in it so much. Hope to me is like the most powerful word in the English language. And, and it's the most power, and especially in a year like this, in these two years, it's the thing I think people need more than anything. They need it like they need oxygen. Mm-hmm. But e- even aside from like the message of this book, this project, f- where other projects were like, man, this would be awesome, this project, finishing it actually felt like an obedience issue. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, uh, and, and that helped someone like me. Mm-hmm. And that, um, you know, we talked about growing capacity last uh, week, but anytime like I started like kind of backing off uh, my intensity of finishing it, I couldn't get that thought out of my mind. Am I going to be the wicked, lazy servant who died with the song still inside of me, that died with the story still inside of me, that I hid my talents and from laziness or fear or insecurity? At some point, it's almost like I am, if God has put something in me, I am doing a disservice to the world and to myself to let fear or insecurity or guilt or shame make me hide what's in me in the ground. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, that is good. I think that I, I like the different perspectives we have at this table because mm-hmm. I'm probably the least prone to write out of any of us. Mm-hmm. I think you write more of a living when you write every single week like mm-hmm. you've alluded to. Russ, you have a passion and the gifting for mm-hmm. writing itself. Mm-hmm. I am probably the <laughs> the opposite end of the spectrum where I don't I'm not a very gifted uh, reader. I don't I don't just churn through books. It's hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but to go, man, I want to write. I'm not writing a book, but I want to write something worth reading, mm-hmm. right? And I want to write something that even someone like me would read. Mm-hmm. And so, I, and I say yeah. that only to say that there's a lot of people listening who writing isn't really a part of their life. And this might be a fun little conversation for them to hear, but to say, you know what, you know, you guys say there's a book inside me. There's really no way there's a book inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I would never do that. I don't want to do it. I have no desire to do it. And I would just throw this out there for, for you uh, people. I would say this. You, there's a couple things that are true. I bet you, you have been uh, affected by something that somebody has written, positive and negative. Mm-hmm. If someone has written a a poorly thought out email to you about your job performance, I bet you that affected you in some type of way. If uh, some, I bet you you've read a book, heard of a book, someone has alluded to a book, and someone used a phrase or a sentence or a paragraph or an excerpt that has changed your life. I bet you that that's true also. I also bet that there's uh, that you probably don't have anything in your life as contemplative where you're sitting there alone with your thoughts, mm-hmm. where you are forced mm-hmm. to process through them and extract the meaning or purpose, mm-hmm. if there is one mm-hmm. or not. There's no practice in your life that will do that to you, mm-hmm. that you have to shut everything off, that you have to get in a space, mm-hmm. that you, you, know, you on your porch in your jammies with your hair down, you, <laughs> you know, wherever you are, and... <laughs> It, my point is, is that 
it forces you yeah. to isolate mm-hmm. yourself from mm-hmm. everything else yeah. for a purpose. Yeah. I don't think isolation in general is a great thing. You shouldn't mm-hmm. spend your entire life in isolation. But there is a time where you do have to force yourself into isolation mm-hmm. to process the things that you're dwelling on and, yeah. and thinking mm-hmm. through. And so I think that writing might just be cathartic, like you mm-hmm. said. It might just be therapeutic for you. Mm-hmm. And it might just be what a, a great discipline for mm-hmm. you to go and write a yeah. journal entry mm-hmm. or, yeah. uh, dare I say, a diary, because it could just be helpful. And you know what's awesome is an encouragement for anyone that's kind of like what you said, that maybe reading and writing isn't the thing that you uh, tend to have a passion for the most. Having something to say, some of the, the um, best-selling authors like John Bevere, Robert Morris, this is Christian context where people that never did well in reading and writing mm-hmm. and always had an insecurity about doing it. Mm-hmm. But they met people that could help them along the process. They just knew they had something to say. And another reason, like you talked about, for your own personal benefit, I heard Don Miller say this. I think this is a great way to look at it. One of the things that happens when you write, especially if you write things about your life, is it's a way, whether you realize it or not, of you f- giving framework to your life. Mm, right. yeah. You're giving framework to your story. Mm-hmm. You're actually making sense of the narrative yeah. of your life, the ups and the downs, and that's yeah. really, really... Mm-hmm. And I love, like, sometimes when I'm, when I'm wondering... There's some things for print and some things for journal, but I love what Ernest Hemingway said. He's just one of the greatest writers of all time. Really, really great advice um, on writing. He said, write hard and clear about what hurts. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Mm. And sometimes even just whether it's for a journal that maybe eventually will land in a book, but you know when you read a book that you resonate when someone just was just hard and clear about what hurt because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that, me too. Mm-hmm. You know? That's yeah. good. I love it. Any last words? Oh, man. That, I, I think it's a um, – I think – I, I love the idea of just encouraging everybody to write, to start writing something. Start, you know um, – I, one of the things I, I love that Donna Miller – you know, would say about, I think it was, I think it was one of the, maybe the writing uh, lab or something that we did, but just the whole idea of what is written down in a book is something that can be preserved for a hundred years. You know, there's so much of our lives and our interactions that are going to dissipate with uh, the thought of us, you know, 50 years from now or whatever. And so if there is anything that comes out of our lives that is that we have learned, that we've mined through our experiences, mm-hmm. like to pass that on mm-hmm. to somebody else um, can, can be a gift. Mm-hmm. You know, think about that way, a gift to the world, a gift to whomever's going to read it. And even if it's not a ton of people, it's a gift to somebody if it makes a difference in mm-hmm. their life. And I, I think if you want to write someday, um, some of the best advice I've, I've received, you know, if you want to write someday um read a lot i think that's a big one you know you mentioned that about i think good writers are good readers um you know i i think um you know learning to to uh love the process and not look at the end mm-hmm. like for me it's a marathon part, yeah and the parts that helped me in it was there there were parts and this is the idea part that i would love that when i could finally get done even if i know it's needs edited like you wouldn't believe because there's so much Mm -hmm. stuff that's a mess and you know you added for my stuff and he's great with grammar and punctuation all that good stuff and i just want to get the idea down and then i need somebody else to help clean it up Mm -hmm. you know but what when you fall into or get into these ideas that you want to that that you present something that maybe you've not heard before present something that's fresh that's maybe nuanced a little bit but maybe helpful 
um, there's something inside of you that gets really excited. Yeah. And so I have found that though it's grueling, there's a part of the process that I fell in love with. Yeah. Um, even, and it's funny because you're like, I don't know if anybody's ever going to read this, mm -hmm. but I get excited yeah. about this and what mm -hmm. just poured out of this and from whether it's life experience, from what I've learned from, yeah. from different things. So I, I do, I think everybody should engage more in writing. I think it, I think r learning to write a book forces you to not just write for yourself, but as you said, you're writing for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so I have to have a different mindset when I bring to writing for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Same thing with preaching. I don't just get up there and say, I got to think about every different type of audience, that every different person in a different place, whether those who believe, those who don't believe, I, I have to think of them all mm -hmm. and think of how does this reach them or help them. And so I've, mm -hmm. it, it forces you to think differently and it forces you to think about others. Mm -hmm. yeah. It really does. I, I wanna, don't write a book for yourself, but write it for someone else. I want to do something I never thought I would do. I want to, if it's okay, just give an unapologetic plug hmm. because um, your book, have we said the name yet? I think we have. Yeah, we okay. did. So yeah, it's Scare Faith. Yeah. It's going to come out next year. Yeah. By the time this podcast hits, fingers crossed, uh, Hope for the Wilderness will be out in about a month. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so you yes. really helped me with this. It, it is, it's a psychological journey to finish a book. It's another psychological mm -hmm. journey to yeah. actually step into, wait, I, I'm going to have to promote this. Yeah. It, it, it's a weird, that, that, that may be an even harder process. Mm -hmm. Because you never want to be that person. It feels icky at first. And then you have to come to a place where if you believe in it enough, you feel selfish to not say this thing I've written yeah. that I believe is going to help a lot of people. I want to make visible as possible. Mm -hmm. And so I want to unashamedly ask, uh, first off, if you have a faith context, pray for the launch of it. Yeah. Pray that it will get in the hands of a ton of people because I think it's going to help a ton of mm -hmm. people. Um, B, uh, when it comes out, I want to encourage you buy it. Yep. Buy two, three, uh, buy one for yourself, buy one for someone that needs hope. Um, and if you want to go a step beyond leave that, you mentioned it, leave a review. I had no idea that actually means a lot and the whole weird algorithms of it Amazon. Uh, but when it comes out, uh, I just want to ask, leave a review. Um, and uh, if you want to go even beyond that, uh, hopeforthewilderness.com, there's a place you could actually join a launch team because uh, I'm trying to get a little small army that will help when yeah. this comes out uh, to especially the week of, because apparently that makes a big difference, yeah. the week of uh, buy, promote, and review the heck out of it so that as many people um, as possible can get a, a tool of hope in their hands and a crazy, crazy painful. We're excited. I'm excited. I'm, yeah, excited. I'm excited to hold the book in my hands. I'm so excited. I'm excited for both of you. It's, uh, I've seen the journey up close, and you guys are. Um, I'm, I'm just like you said, I'm really pumped for the people it's going to help. And I hope that you have been inspired by this conversation. If you're listening, there's greatness inside of you. There's words inside of you that people need to hear. And so take a step, just write every single day, put something on paper. And uh, we think the world of you. And we're glad you're here with us, the X Podcast family. Like this episode, share this episode with someone who could use some encouragement, who wants to learn more about this stuff. And we are thankful for you. We will see you next week.